Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Perhaps you saw the latest with regard to Islamist Afghanistan. And effective today, American troops have begun leaving Afghanistan. This for the initial troop withdrawal required in the United States of America Taliban peace agreement. Yes, this despite the fact that the Islamist terrorist Taliban rescinded the agreement, (laughs) gave the green light for their Islamist terrorist fighters to attack Western forces and Afghani forces and police officers and what have you. Almost as soon as the ink had proverbially dried on the agreement that the Trump administration so proudly touted and boasted of. Really outstanding. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong for U.S. troops to leave Afghanistan. No. (laughs) No. I'm not saying that that's wrong at all. We never should have been involved in an occupation in Afghanistan, nor in Iraq. But the idea that we are being required to remove troops as a condition of a shameful, disgraceful excuse of a peace agreement that has already been rendered dead on arrival is beyond bizarre. What this amounts to is the brilliant, brilliant commander-in-chief and Team Trump being played, shamefully played, by the Islamist Talibanis out in the rocks and clefts and cliffs of the mountainsides of Afghanistan, between Afghanistan and Pakistan. It is just, it's breathtaking. Their leaders managing to do this from their strongholds inside of caves and inside of villages and so forth. It It is too hilarious. It is the worst black comedy there could be. It is just outrageous. But, yes, United States is really respected around the globe now. Oh, my. Don't you remember the president's boastful, proud, outstanding declarations within his State of the Union address that we are feared, we are respected, you know, and admired and whatever around the world. Really? (laughs) Okay, no, I think they view the United States of America more as uh, a game of pin the tail on the donkey, but hundreds of troops are leaving Afghanistan as previously planned. 
and they will not be replaced because the United States of America is moving ahead with plans to reduce the number of forces, of armed forces, of American servicemen in Afghanistan from 13,000 to 8,600. Again, I don't have any problem at all with American withdrawal from Afghanistan. I do have a problem with merely reducing the number of troops so that those who are left there are in even greater danger. That I have a problem with. (laughs) Meanwhile, Afghanistan swore in as president two men, President Ashraf Ghani and his illustrious combatant rival Abdullah Abdullah. Well, The United States of America depends on the Taliban to meet its commitment, which it has already rendered null and void. But it depends on the Taliban, the Islamist Taliban, to prevent any group or individual, including al-Qaeda, from using the soil of Afghanistan to threaten the security of the United States of America and its allies. Oh, that is so high-minded. I should have, you know, bracketed that in quotes because that was a direct quote. But under this so-called peace agreement, Our troop withdrawal had to, had to begin within 10 days following this magnificent agreement being signed on the last day of February. And our esteemed Defense Secretary, Mark Esper, He said on March 2nd that he had already approved the start of the withdrawal. So that couldn't be stopped. That couldn't be delayed. That had to go ahead. This is like President George W. Bush. When he made a decision, that was it. He never looked back. He famously, and I'm not quoting him directly, but this was absolutely positively the gist of what he said on more than one occasion, is he never questioned what he had already done. He never looked back. He never rethought it. Never considered whether he could have made a mistake. And was terribly proud of that. How is that possible? Talk about living with no regrets. Living in denial that you have ever made a mistake. What a wonderful qualification for a president. Well, in Donald Trump, we have the same outstanding, outstanding leaders. But just too much, to say the least. And this after these two outstanding, young, Mexican-American Special Forces men were murdered at an Afghani 
installation where they were training Afghan forces, murdered by a Talibani there who had infiltrated and used a machine gun to slaughter them. Again, no problem in just removing all of our troops from there. They should have been removed from there within weeks of their arrival. But, no, instead we have had them be targets, fish in a barrel, just terrible. But, what else is going on? Many exciting developments, no doubt, with the coronavirus COVID-19 non-pandemic and with the, dare I say, Wall Street crash. I mean, that might be a little dramatic, a little over the top. I will try to withhold from saying that, but certainly a collapse. And that's not to say that it can't bounce back. It absolutely can. But before I get on to those exciting developments, let me just speak concerning Israel. One of the worst developments ever is going on right now in Israel. Now, Israel, this masterpiece of democracy that has been controlled by socialism since its inception, the modern state of Israel, of course, was led from the outset by socialist, communist, Ben David Gurion. But not to say that he wasn't a talented leader, not to say that he wasn't a charismatic leader and that he wasn't an important leader for Israel. But Israel has had one socialist leader after another. They differ only in matter of degree. And they're all far left, even those who are supposedly right-wing, like Benjamin Netanyahu, but Bibi. But this nation, Israel, which is supposedly Jewish, and I do say supposedly, it is overwhelmingly agnostic and atheist. And has a huge number of Muslim Arabs as citizens. But they have held three elections within the last year. And when I say last year, I'm talking about in the last 12 months, so forth. But in the most recent one, Benjamin Netanyahu supposedly won. But they have such a weak form of parliamentary government. This is why they've had three elections in the span of a year. (laughs) Is that he may still not be able to form a government. But uh, his arch rival in this series is none other than Benny... You know, like Benjamin Netanyahu, Benny Gantz. Benny. Benny just happens to be a former military chief. And what has brilliant, patriotic, 
Benny chosen to do now. Now he has reached out to Arab Muslim leaders, political leaders in Israel to deny Benjamin Netanyahu, to spitefully deny Netanyahu being able to form a government. It's just extraordinary. Meanwhile, his party, Benny Gantz's party, is the center-left. <laughs> the center-left, everything's left, but center-left, blue-and-white party, which won a few fewer seats than Netanyahu's Likud. And <laughs> he is trying to form a coalition, apart from <laughs> the ruling party, trying to form a coalition with the leaders of 1.8 million Arabs, Muslim Arabs, to rule Israel. It is a nightmare. And it absolutely overshadows everything going on in the United States of America. Tiny Israel, population approximately 9 million, surrounded by Islamist enemies who have been bent on the destruction of Israel, the annihilation of all Jews and Christians, going back to, prior to, the foundation of the modern state of Israel. And lo and behold, this wonderful patriotic Benny Gantz he wants to put the Arabs in a position of being able to determine outcomes for Israel. Absolutely horrendous. Unspeakable treason. Truly. But, oh well. This is so much more staggering a development than collapse of the stock market, which can come and go and fluctuate and so forth. And I predicted that back at the time of Donald Trump's outstanding State of the Union address. And with regard to not just the stock market, but the economy, period. But... This is so much more impactful than the coronavirus in the United States of America. But, or coronavirus if you prefer. But all manner, all manner of terrible things for Israel, despite all of that, based on none other than a certain historical document. 
the truest document there's ever been in human history, the Holy Bible. Based on that, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that no matter what the Israelis do, the foolish, blind, ignorant, ungodly Israelis do, Israel will still be standing for a short period of time after this nation is not, after all of the free nations of the world are no longer nations, let alone free. That's based on God's Word. It's not based on what some pastor has said, some teacher has said, or some other such thing. That's based on my reading of the Bible. But, meanwhile, back in Israel, Israel has ordered self-quarantine of 14 days for all peoples arriving in Israel from overseas. This as a precaution against the spread of the coronavirus. Additionally, they have instituted this that visitors from many countries in Asia and Europe are required, forced is the term that's used, but required to have home isolation. Now, this has not exactly improved trade, travel, tourism, the airline industry, and so forth. But Benjamin Netanyahu, he said, quote, this is a difficult decision, but it is essential for safeguarding public health, and public health comes first, end quote. So, for all Israelis returning to the country, this will take effect immediately. Also, any non-Israelis who seek to enter the country, they will have to prove that they have the means to self-quarantine. And... It has been stated that this means quarantine for approximately 300,000 citizens, not counting the non-Israelis. This in a population, again, of about 9 million. But how does that stack up against the great ruling by the illustrious ninth? Circuit Court of Appeals. (laughs) Uh, I will have more to say about that outstanding decision, not in this program. I won't have time, but hopefully in the next program. Meanwhile, the who, the who is back. No, not the group. This is the World Health Organization and its illustrious leader, Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus. Pardon me. Quote, 
Now that the virus has a foothold in so many countries, the threat of a pandemic has become very real, end quote. The threat of a pandemic, not a pandemic, but the threat of a pandemic. Does he happen to know what a pandemic is? It's not a matter of the body count. It's a matter of infection, contagion, call it what you will, spreading over an area. It doesn't have to be the entire world. It can be all of Europe or most of it. It can be a portion of Africa. Just a portion of Africa, the spread of disease there was termed a pandemic. Here we have this worldwide infestation with one outlier being Antarctica. (laughs) And they still cannot breathe pandemic. Just like the President of the United States. Not that this man looks anything like Donald Trump, but same thing, denial, denial, denial. If we deny it, then it's not so, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's just uh, the power of positive thinking. It's just... Is that really a strategy? Oh, well. We are encouraged that Italy is taking aggressive measures to contain its epidemic. And we hope that those measures prove effective in the coming days. Indeed. Indeed. Hopefully so. Meanwhile, Stephen King, world-famous author, Everything he writes becomes a bestseller. Everything he writes becomes a New York Times bestseller. Everything he writes becomes a worldwide bestseller. One book that he is very well known for, very well respected for, many people consider it to be his finest work, was called The Stand. And Stephen tweeted the other day, that's right, via Twitter, he tweeted that his post-apocalyptic novel, The Stand, is not, all caps, not like the coronavirus. Indeed, the man is right. It is not at all like the coronavirus. What he wrote concerning in The Stand was instead a contagion, a plague that wiped out almost the entire population of the world. Very different thing. And did so very, very quickly. So yes, it is a world of difference between these. Meanwhile, a movie entitled Contagion, 2011 movie, is rising in popularity, which indicates that, (laughs) of all things, public interest in and demand for 
fictitious accounts, depictions of pandemics are gaining in popularity. Is that extraordinarily macabre or what? I just... Meanwhile, CBS All Access, they acquired the rights. They are going to be rolling out a program that is an adaptation of The Stand. So it has actually been in production since last year. But, oh, it amazes me. Well, it never ceases to amaze me at the public appetite for certain things, such as horror, bloodlust, and what have you. Now, pandemics of all things. So it reminds me of a certain prince, Prince Philip, the elder statesman there in England who famously, or perhaps you haven't heard, I've mentioned it before, but He stated ages ago now that when he dies, he wants to return, you know, be reincarnated. He wants to return as a killer virus. I can't remember. I'm I'm paraphrasing now as far as the numbers he was talking about. But what I remember is something to the tune he wanted to wipe out something to the tune of two-thirds of the world's population. This to benefit the world. All right? Prince Philip, that's right, talking about Prince Harry's grandpapa, whom he is so close to. They are very, very, very close, buds. His grandpapa wants, when he dies, to return as a killer virus to wipe out the majority of the world population. Just outstanding. One of the founders or the founding father of the World Wildlife Fund. Before I go further, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever's lacking, erring, deficient, That is on me. That's due to me. That is my fault. Sometimes repeating something that I have seen, (laughs) which then turns out not to be true because it has been inaccurately stated. Something like that. So, you know, there is a massive, speaking of public appetite, massive run on face masks to combat the spread of coronavirus, COVID-19. But it has been stated that for most of us, for the average person, I'm not average, I'm, I am past <laughs> uh, average age and so forth. So, but for the average person with average health, I guess, wearing one of these masks is deemed to be less effective than taking such measures as washing hands regularly and properly, you know, all that, and avoiding 
close contact with anyone who might be infected. How is it that one is supposed to determine that? To know whether someone might be infected. Huh? I mean, if that isn't a catch-22, but... The experts, they have the answers, don't they? Meanwhile, in Italy, they have now instituted a nationwide travel ban against traveling from one part of the nation to another. Premier Giuseppe Conte, he has extended this. It started very briefly in the north, around Milan, And now it has been generalized to the entirety of Italy. As of tonight. But. There are. (laughs) Permissions granted if there are compelling reasons. But quote. There won't be just a red zone. There will be Italy as a protected area, end quote. The entirety of Italy. So, unless you can demonstrate that you have a need to travel for work or for health conditions, I'm not sure what that means. I'm guessing that means that your health is frail and you need to leave (laughs) One area where there is more trouble with this to head to some place where you might stand a better chance of surviving. I don't know. But there won't be just a red zone there for the greater Milan area, no. There will be Italy. Meanwhile, in the United States of America, the national cases the totality doubled since Friday. Only 600 or so, only a bit past 600, but we can count on it doubling again by the day after the next primaries, right? Or if not that, the day after that, and maybe a quadrupling. Governor, inspirational leader, one-time presidential candidate, Governor Jay Inslee, who has had trouble getting reelected as governor in Washington, but decided, hey, you know, why not go ahead and run for president? So Governor Jay Inslee of Washington State, he has said that he is considering instituting mandatory measures to keep people apart. That's right. Mandatory measures to divorce all people from all people. Sounds like a brilliant idea to me. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., that bright hub of democracy where... Until finally there was a decent ruling from the Supreme Court some years ago. 
all persons that were not VIPs were prohibited, prevented by our wonderful law enforcement agencies from even being able to protect themselves or attempt to protect themselves within their own house with firearm against home invasion, home invasion murders and so forth. In the vicious inner cities and what have you, it was absolutely verboten to have a firearm to defend one's family. Brilliant stuff from the nation's capital. Oh, yes, and we are esteemed and respected and admired and feared all around the world for our idiocy. But current mayor, Muriel Bowser, a woman who is much lovelier than her last name, she announced the recognition of a case, the first case known in Washington, D.C., of coronavirus, COVID-19 infection. And it was none other than a priest who had given communion to hundreds and hundreds of people just days before he tested positive. He tested positive this last Saturday, March 7th. Yes, a priest at Christ Church in Georgetown, upscale Georgetown, you know, uh, famed Georgetown. Well, lo and behold, Timothy Cole, the rector at that church, he is the city's first presumptive positive for this, according to Mayor Muriel Bowser. Meanwhile, New York State has now gone ahead of Washington State in the coronavirus sweepstakes. That's right, they have one more infected person in New York State than in Washington State. Washington State, which has had so many fatalities relative to the number of fatalities. But New York State now is one up on them, or at least was earlier. And Governor Andrew Cuomo has addressed the state, and he made this brilliant statement. I just, I have to quote. Westchester is our problem. That is a relatively small community in New Rochelle with 98 cases more than the city of New York, end quote. Westchester is our problem. Not coronavirus, not COVID-19, but Westchester is our problem, people. According to your governor, Andrew Cuomo, you residents of New York State, you lucky people with the likes of Andrew Cuomo there to govern you so wisely, sagely. But meanwhile, in New York State, Rick Cotton. I am assuming Rick is a shortened version of Richard. 
Rick Cotton, executive director of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. He now has become the first public official in the Northeast to test positive for coronavirus. And so he is going to be in quarantine, working from his home. The Port Authority, this major department, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, where do you imagine the headquarters of that is located? Any guesses? It happens to be at number four World Trade Center. Four World Trade Center, which is above, elevated above the Oculus Transit Hub in downtown Manhattan. You know, home to things like <laughs> Wall Street and what have you. But, oh well. Columbia University, Barnard College, the school attended by Tessa Majors, who was slaughtered by a 14-year-old, a tender 14-year-old, stabbed multiple times because she would not give up her precious smartphone. But that was the reason given. (laughs) But... Meanwhile, the Grand Princess, and I have touched on this previously, that now it has found a home. Yes, it docked in the port of Oakland, San Francisco, greater San Francisco, San Francisco Bay, Oakland, like the Oakland A's and the Oakland Raiders who are becoming the Las Vegas Raiders and so forth. But Now, more than 3,000 people who have been exposed to the novel coronavirus on board the Grand Princess, they will be quarantined. And they're going to be taken to different locations. It was stated that the actual number of passengers is approximately 3,500 and that there are 1,100 crew members. And that of those who have been tested... On board the ship, 21 of the 46 had tested positive, with 19 of them being crew members. And again, they had a fatality, a person that was taken off the ship along with a couple others. But the United States State Department, it has now issued a warning to travelers. Yes. Quote, The United States Centers for Disease Control and Prevention notes an increased risk of infection of COVID-19 in a cruise ship environment. U.S. citizens, particularly travelers with underlying health conditions, should not travel by cruise ship. Furthermore, American travelers on such cruise ships Should they need to be evacuated? Well, lots of luck. Emergency evacuation flights may no longer be available. Well, the cruise ship industry has been being absolutely clobbered 
since the outbreak of the coronavirus, COVID-19, non-pandemic. And this is not going to help that industry. No. Meanwhile, another industry absolutely devastated by this is the airline industry. And (laughs) airline travel bookings all around the world, they are dropping through the floor. They are dropping precipitously. Carriers in the United States of America, based in the United States of America, are now following the lead of airlines based in Asia and in Europe. And they are cutting back on flights, grounding planes, and enacting various different measures to reduce costs. And (laughs) if there was ever a time you know, if I felt, if I felt the need, let's say, you know, just the impossible. Let's say that the uh, uh, Democrat Party, that they go to the convention and neither Joe nor Bernie has 11, it was, no, 1,991 delegates. Neither one has that. Close, but, you know, no cigar, only 1,990 And they go through the second ballot, the first ballot, the second ballot, the third ballot, the 100th ballot, the 200th ballot. And they decide, well, instead of socialist, Marxist, independent Bernie Sanders, we're going to draft Brad Thomas. And they contact me and I need to fly there. Well, you know, first of all, of course, I would not accept. But it would have to be something, you know, more appealing than that. (laughs) And something more appealing than being the Republican candidate. But something compelling. You know, a date with with somebody that I appreciate or you know, whatever. I need to fly to Washington, D.C. to, to pick up a check of a, a billion dollars or something. Or some broadcasting network wants me to go. I would go. I would go, despite all of the reasons not to go. And looking at the photos, at the pictures of airline terminals, this is the time to fly. I mean, they, they are deserted. It is really something. So you don't need to worry about being delayed and held up by security. No, absolutely not. Meanwhile, in California, in Orange County, California, there is this company, this chain of Chinese restaurants. And the name is, I'm not going to do justice to it, but Sichuan Impression. And they are doing something very interesting. And they began this some time ago. And that is that when anyone arrives at one of their restaurants, their temperature is taken. That's right. They use an advanced technology device to get their temperature from their forehead. So those employees that are taking the temperatures, they have hospital-issue gloves, and this particular 
device trying to make out the name. I can't make it out. But anyway, if your temperature is above 99.8, not above 98.6, but above 99.8, they turn you away. What discrimination? How dare they? Well, one of the owners, Kelly Shao, she said, quote, we have family in China, so we understand the importance of doing everything we can to protect our customers and our workers, end quote. They actually have been doing this since late January, and they posted notice of it on the restaurant's doors. And this is to provide a healthy and safe dining environment for guests who come from all corners of the world. And the employees are screened throughout their shifts. Amazing. But, now you might, you might say to yourself, that's rather extreme. <laughs> and employees were wearing masks until there was this terrible run on masks. And they ran out. So, no, I I think it's reasonable. You know, erring on the side of prevention, right? An ounce of prevention worth a pound of cure. Well, meanwhile, concerning education, the St. Raphael Academy in Providence, Rhode Island, I believe, they had a trip to Italy. And they returned, and lo and behold, coronavirus. And so what they did is they transitioned to virtual school, online. And other schools, some are trying that. But it doesn't work for everybody because there are many areas of the country where they don't really have the resources for a great many students to be able to (laughs) make use of their curriculum online. And so it is a predicament what to do. Some schools have closed for a few days, calling them snow days. Well, like where I am right now. (laughs) I saw this about New York City again. And I saw the temperature there in New York City was supposed to be 71 degrees. And I'm thinking, well, you know, that's about 50 degrees warmer than where I am, not to mention Southern California. And uh, maybe this can spread more readily where it is warmer, warmer climate. But it is a quandary what to do. Snow days in places where we have snow Uh, But places where it's not snow, maybe beach days, right? Beach days or desert days or luau days or whatever they are. But meanwhile, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. And I I thought this picture of the president looking away in disgust uh, in, in a different direction. It looks like he's looking in disgust in a different direction from his vice president who has his hand to his head. I just thought that's remarkable. You know, this thing about the World Health Organization, again, denying the reality of the situation. And the president has been doing this. And, you know, you could say, well, it's just 
as a man thinks, so he is, you know, deny that, you know, emphasize the positive, you know, have a positive frame of mind and all of that mind over matter, all of that sort of thing. But, and so I can understand, totally disagree with, but understand kind of sort of uh, going in that direction. But how about just saying, you know, we need to forget about whether news of this can hamper my campaign for re-election. We need to <laughs> focus on stopping this thing instead of trying to minimize it and trying to deny it and all of that. But that's not the way he does things, no. Meanwhile, Joe Biden, he said, quote, I wish he, meaning the president, I wish he would just be quiet. I really mean it. That's an awful thing to say about a president, but be quiet. Just let the experts speak and acknowledge whatever they suggest to him is what we should be doing, end quote. And I disagree with Joe on about 99.9% of things, but I happen to agree with him on that. And meanwhile, the stock market collapse. Oh, why is it that this has happened? Well, it's not just the coronavirus. No. No, it's because of crude oil. It has become a bigger problem for markets than the coronavirus. It will be virtually impossible for the Standards and Poor's 500 index to sustainably bounce, meaning bounce back, recover, if Brent, referring to crude oil, continues to crater. Brent index or whatever. End quote. And that was from Adam Krisofuli, who is... <laughs> author of Market Intelligence for J.P. Morgan Chase. So, oil had its biggest daily decline since 2014. Oh, well. It dropped 10% as a result of an issue between Saudi Arabia and OPEC and Russia, <laughs> which... I believe I referred to the other day, but maybe not. But anyway, so the Dow closed down 2,000 points. Its biggest loss since 2008. But it's not just in the United States of America. Oil futures plummeted approximately 9% in London, UK. <laughs> Russia, Putin's Russian regime refused to be coerced by Saudi Arabia into agreeing to cutting output, which was intended to offset the impact on demand caused by this pandemic, non-pandemic. Meanwhile, we have these primaries coming up tomorrow. And Michael Bloomberg, he has formed a new group. Yes. Again, not intending to help Joe Biden in the primaries, but to enable the Democrats to defeat 
Donald Trump. This from friend Michael Bloomberg, who claims he's a friend of Joe Biden, but he didn't form this group to help Joe Biden, this new group. Meanwhile, the primaries tomorrow in Michigan. That's the biggest of the big ones for tomorrow. Missouri, Washington State, Mississippi, Idaho, and then there are caucuses in North Dakota. Excitement to come. Can't wait to see what happens. Meanwhile, Joe Biden has raked in endorsements from former presidential candidates, U.S. Senator Kamala Harris of California and U.S. Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey. People of color, that is black African-American people. It should be exciting. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.